Happy Mother's Day to the moms out there, whether you're here today or watching with us. Um, how, how many moms are here with us? How many of you gave your mom a hug today? I didn't give my mom a hug yet. She's, she's, she's back there. I, I got to give her a hug. Uh, moms, moms have a pretty tough job, don't they? Moms, do you agree? I can't tell by how big your smile is. Usually that's how much you're in agreement. I think I can tell by your eyes, how big your smile is on your eyes. Uh, oftentimes, their efforts go thankless and underappreciated, huh? All right, I got some head nods with some of the moms. Over the years, we find a lot of things to complain about with our moms, don't we? Moms sometimes get the blame when they dress us in questionable fashion choices. Moms sometimes, they make food we don't necessarily want to eat. Moms constantly tell us to sit up, sit back, turn on the lights, turn off the lights. Moms tell us to clean our rooms, go to bed, wake up, stop watching TV, or what's more relevant today, turn off your computers, get off your phones. Moms seem to never know what's good for us. And their advice is outdated or uninformed. All right, I think some conversations have been had recently. How easily we forget. Moms start out feeding us, wiping us, clothing us, washing us, holding us, singing to us, talking us in at night. They taught us how to walk and to talk, read and write. They clean our scrapes. They wipe our tears. They make sure we have food in our stomachs. Dads, we may not be quite as good at that. As we get older, they wait for us to make sure we're home safely. They stay up at all hours of the night just to talk to us, just to make sure that we're okay. Moms pray for us. Moms protect our hearts. Moms do not get enough thanks. They don't get enough thank yous for when they tell us to bring a jacket because we're gonna get cold. And we actually do end up needing them. Moms are always there when we need a change of clothes to be brought to us. Yet we get upset when they're always there to point out a change that we need to make on the inside. We complain when it seems moms nag us, but we reluctantly admit their silence in our life ring loudly like alarms. You may even resent them when they're not perfect, while they're always left to deal with all of our imperfections. If it wasn't for moms, how would we learn to tell our own kids to sit up, sit back, turn on the lights, turn off the lights, clean their rooms, go to bed, wake up, and stop watching TV, get off your phones, turn off your computers. For those of you who aren't parents yet, it will happen. You will hear 
the words of your moms echoing as you say them to your own kids. In reality, moms are gifts from God. They are agents of change given by God to monitor our hearts, care for our basic and complicated needs. They keep us on the right track. They remind us of God's nurturing care and love. They remind us to show kindness, patience, discipline, and obedience. They give us mom advice, and their advice has an uncanny way of being way more right than we care to admit. They are models of sacrifice, literally giving, sacrificing their own bodies so that we can be born. I know not everyone's experience of moms are the same, or certainly ideal. Hopefully there's an example of a mother's love in your life, if your mom is not with you today. Ultimately, the role of a mother's love is another glimpse of and dynamic of God's love for us. Humans can fail to show God's love on a sat satisfactory basis, right? And yes, moms included. But I just thank the Lord he created moms. If you're a mom here today or you're listening to this or watching, I hope you receive encouragement today. If your mom is still with you today, send them an encouraging word, a sincere thank you. Give them a hug. Tell them you love them. Because I'm sure on the I love you count, you're a little far behind. Moms, Remember, you have a special role in the life of your children. Truthfully, you don't always know what's best. You don't have to. You don't need to have all the answers. You certainly don't have to be perfect. Just love with the love of Jesus as the best as you can. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for moms, for the gift that they are in our lives and the role that they play in our lives. I truly believe, Lord God, you designed the role of a mom in our life to really represent an aspect of your love. And so many times we can resist, we can fight, we can argue, much like we do with you. The Lord, I pray, that we be reminded to be a blessing to them. Lord, we thank you for their gift that they represent. And Lord, we pray as we get into your word today, I pray, Lord, your spirit would be here with us, speak to us, stir in our hearts, Lord God. May we give you praise as we sit at your feet. So we thank you, Lord Jesus, and we lift this to you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. The title of the message today is Change for the Better. Uh, most, most of us like changes for the better, right? You guys like changes for the better? Some people don't. I mentioned a few weeks ago, I believe, some people are scared for change, even if it is for the better. They're scared to make changes in their life. Uh, speaking of moms, some of you today can testify that maybe your mom's is a big reason why you made some changes for the better in your life. Yeah, maybe you can attest to that, whether you want to care to admit it or not. But over the last couple of sermons, we've been looking at 
if you haven't picked it up by now, the Christian life is all about change. Dynamic change. The life of a believer in Christ is about change, but a change for the better. Two weeks ago, we started looking at Romans 12. And verse 1 starts with an exhortation by the Apostle Paul, a charge. He exhorted believers to present your bodies as living sacrifices to God. That is your act of worship. That's your act of service. And we saw what that means to offer yourself as living sacrifices. That means you're offering all of you to God. Not just your body, not just on Sunday, but you're offering your heart, your mind, and your body to God. That how we live our life is an offering to God. So it's not just the money we put in, the offering plate. It's not just our attendance Sunday, but it's how we live each and every day of our life. But of course, we have challenges in that, right? It's not easy. And last week, we looked at an example of the Israelites. We try to learn from their example of why it was so difficult. We saw their impatience with God and their tendency to have idolatry. Even in their tendency, even in their intention to maybe worship God, they set up an idol in place of it. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can fall victim of that. We can do that. We tend to idolize our worship with God. Maybe it's another person. Maybe it's a church building, a church name. Maybe it's an experience. We, we look to that experience rather than worshiping God himself. Well, verse 1 of Romans chapter 12 is, is only the first part of Paul's charge. We're going to look at the second verse today. Because we can't do the first part without the second verse. We can't offer ourselves up as living sacrifices. We can't expect ourselves to um, present our life and how we live our life as a sacrifice to God if we don't get verse 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. You can take a look at that. If you don't have your Bibles with us, we have sermon notes on that link that I mentioned in the weekly bulletin. If you don't have your phone, you don't have the link, you don't have your Bible, if the person next to you is safe to look at look at the phones or their Bibles, you can do that. So Romans chapter 12, verse 1, we'll kind of remind ourselves of verse 1. It says, I urge you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So we'll stop there for a second. So we're going to highlight some keywords in verse 2. We're going to highlight two verbs and two nouns. Right, this is not going to be an English class, but I'll give you a little bit of English class here. Right? We're going to focus on two verbs and two nouns. The first verb we're going to look at is the word conformed. Okay? In Greek, this word for conform is to, to conform oneself to another's pattern. To fashion yourself after something. Okay? And this Greek word here is in the present tense, and it's what's called, it's in a middle voice. In other words... It's meaning, the meaning of the subject of the verb is the agent of change. And they're engaged in that action. Okay, so the subject of the verb, they are, they are the ones doing that action. For example, 
If I was a basketball player and I wanted my, to pattern my game, I would pattern my game after Kobe Bryant, okay? Or whomever it may be, fill in the blank, whichever basketball player you want to be. So if I want to pattern my game after him, I'm doing something intentionally to copy and model or to do what his game is like. Following, okay? So the middle voice, so you are the subject of the verb, but you're doing, you're participating in, you're engaged in it. The second verb is for transformed. And it means to change into a different form. Now this word is used in the present tense and it's passive, meaning that it's being done to you. You are not doing it. You following me? See the difference? The first verb, you're doing it. You're engaged in the, the action. The second one is being done to you. Okay, We're not the agents of the change or the action. All right, so transform to change into a different form. Think of it like the difference between changing your clothes and some inward change you have inside as a result of something. Okay, like uh, we all dressed up, all right? We did the change of clothes, but that's a different thing. That's not the same kind of transformation. It'd be like as if something traumatic happened to you, right? And it impacted you, it changed you. It wasn't something that you intended to do, but it did change you inside, right? So you get the difference between the two? Okay. The third verb we're going to look at, renewing. This is the noun. The renewal, a renovation, a complete change for the better. And the implication here of this renewal is that it's an inward change. Think of renovation. We'll get to that in a minute. So think renovation for a second. And then the fourth word we'll look at, mind. The fourth, the, the second noun. The mind, in other words, what comprises the faculties of perceiving and understanding how you feel, you judge, you determine, okay? All the things in your mind, so all the things you think about, how you think, what you believe, how you feel, all those things are going on in your mind. Okay, so those four terms we're gonna focus on. So we have an action of what we do or shouldn't do, an action done to us, the action itself, and then where that action takes place. That's what we're getting in verse two. First, we get this warning. Paul says, do not fashion or do not conform yourself to the world's pattern. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not pattern yourself after the world. Now, when we looked at last week, how you can have all these things that we can do, but if, they, if you're told of one thing that's forbidden, what is the most unresistible thing to do? It's often the forbidden, right? We're kind of knuckleheads that way. It's human nature. We tend to do that. I don't know why. But do you remember those early years? Growing up. How you wanted to be like your peers. Do you remember that when you were kids? You wanted to be like your peers. How many of you wanted to dress like your peers? You saw kids wear a certain kind of clothes and you wanted to dress like them. We wanted a haircut a certain way. How you remember some regrettable fashion choices in your past because you wanted to wear your hair a certain way. If you grew up in the 80s or 90s, maybe your hair was like added about five inches to your height or it went out this way or your hair was a lot shorter than it is, whatever it may be, right? I, I was gonna post some pictures, illustrations of regrettable fashion choices 
But I didn't want to offend anybody in case those regrettable fashion choices are still relevant to you, you know? So I, I, I said, you know, I'll, I'll side on, on discretion. You know your regrettable fashion choices you've made in your lifetime. Uh, we wanted to talk like others. You got in around a circle of friends and you started to talk like them. We, we tend to joke like people, right? We wanted to think how others think so we could fit in. And did that really stop when we were kids? When we became adults, did that really change? You go into a work setting. Isn't that often the case? To fit into your work setting, you tend to try to fit in. Maybe start talking about things like everybody else does. We definitely see it in social media and social circles. Right, this, says this, this need to conform to be like everybody else. See, we pattern ourselves after someone or something, whether we realize it or not. And what Paul says is don't fashion, don't conform yourself to the world, to the pattern of the world. But rather, he says, be transformed to a different form. Undergo a complete transformation. And it's not just an outward transformation. It's an inward transformation. See, a lot of times we think in order to change ourselves, we need to get a new wardrobe, get on a diet, get an exercise regimen, whatever it may be. But that's, there's no real, and those things don't make the inward transformation that we're really wanting. But how are we transformed? How can we have that transformation? If the Christian life is all about change and change for the better, how can we experience that change? Paul says, but be transformed what? by the renewing or the renovation of your mind. The renewing of your mind. So if Paul charges us that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, then our first step is to acknowledge that we need a change. Right? If we're going to experience any lasting change, we need to first, what? Admit we need a change, right? You don't receive salvation unless you see the need to be saved. Right? You cannot overcome addiction if you can't admit that you're addicted. You won't get better. And you're not truly sorry for something, you won't admit you're wrong in. Right? The first step of any change is to realize you need to make a change. If transformation is to take place, the life that we're supposed to have in Christ, it starts in our minds. Our minds need renewed. Because our mind governs how we think, what we believe in, how we feel, how we see the world, how we see God, how we hear God. Now, some people... Some people refer to Christian faith as having blind faith. Have you ever heard somebody refer to being a Christian or having faith as blind faith? It's just blind faith. That's not the case. It's anything but. God never calls us to have blind faith. Do you realize that? He wants us to have faith in him because he's given us every reason to believe and trust in him. 
He's given us all we needed to know to trust in him. It's not a matter of the abandoning reason and logic. A lot of people criticize Christianity and say, oh, you know, it's all, it's all fantasy, it's all this and that. It's not reasonable. Actually, it's quite opposite. Your faith is not separate from logic and reason. But what we need to do is to understand our perspective and how we're seeing the world or how we're seeing our life. And a lot of people get frustrated about their, their relationship with God. Maybe you felt this way before. You've been frustrated with your relationship with God or faith because you feel like there's nothing changed. Have you ever felt that way? Right? You, came, you believe Christ. You had this emotional, maybe spiritual moment and tears flowed and you're like, oh, I need a change. And then over the course of time, nothing really changes. And you're wondering, why hasn't everything changed? Why don't I feel different? Well, if I was to have a conversation with you, I would ask you, well, how's your renovation going? How's that renovation project in your mind going? Has there been any change in here? Because if there's no change in here, in your mind, you're not going to have the change in your heart. We cannot expect positive changes in our life if we're unwilling to change our mind. So that process of God changing us coincides with the change of our mind. Let me give you some examples. Ephesians chapter 4, 22 through 24. In reference to your former manner of life, lay aside the old self. You lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in according with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So he says, lay aside your old self that's being corrupted and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Put on the new self. Colossians 3.10. Paul says, and put on the new self was being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. So you notice what's happening in those verses. He's referencing this, the change in our minds, but notice what is the pattern? Their pattern change. Our old self is patterned after the world, and that's being corrupted day by day. He says, change it, be patterned after the new self. And who's the inspiration of that new self? It's Christ, it's God. That is our change. That is our focus. Our inspiration, our model for to mimic and to copy and to pattern after shifts. It's no longer the ways of the world, but we look to God as being the model for us. When we look to renovate, I don't know how many of you have ever renovated. You renovated a house or something. When you look to renovate, do you pattern or model an inspiration, something that, that's worse than what you already had? Does that make sense? If you ever renovated your house, you gutted your house, and you tell them what design would you want, and you tell the, the, the decorator, the designer, or yourself, you say, you know what? I want to renovate it to look just like how it was. In fact, maybe make it a little bit worse. So my floor that had cracks and was, was degraded, can you make it just a little bit worse? 
We don't do that. It doesn't make sense to us. If we're going to renovate something, we want to make it better. We don't want it the same. How can our minds be renewed? Who is the agent of change? Well, you notice, again, going back to the verbs, conformity, we take action in that. We take initiative in that. We pattern ourselves after something. It takes our action to say, you know, I'm going to pattern after this person. I'm going to be around this person. But the change, the renovation itself, is not in our power. Right? The way Paul used that verb is saying, this is something that's done to you. It happens to you. So how can that change happen to us? And it's the word of God. The word of God is our primary source and cause for change. This is the power of the word of God. Now you may think real quick, you may have thought, Mike, Pastor Mike, where's the Holy Spirit factor in all this? You know, when I laid out the five foundations of, of us as a church and us personally in our own lives, worship God, rooted in the word, edifying fellowship, faithful service, a shining witness. Those five things are what we want to be as a church and how we want to be as believers in Christ. Where's the role of the Holy Spirit in that? Well, I'll say, look, the Holy Spirit empowers each and every one of those things. None of those things can happen without the power of the Holy Spirit. And that includes the Word of God. If you see throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit and the Word of God go hand in hand. The Word of God is not effective without the work and the power of the Holy Spirit in them. You have your sermon notes on your phones. On the slides there, you'll see some verses. We're not going to go over all of them. Well, we see that the Holy Spirit and the Word of God is associated hand in hand throughout Scripture. The Holy Spirit is referred to as the Spirit of Wisdom. He's referred to as the Spirit of Truth. He's a Spirit that instructs us and teaches us. Some of the verses that I've listed here, I'll go over with you. Psalm 143, 10 through 11. It says, Teach me to do thy will, for thou art my God. Let thy good spirit lead me on level ground. For the sake of thy name, O Lord, revive me. In thy righteousness, bring my soul out of trouble. What a beautiful sound that is. John 14, 16 to 17 and 26. Teach me to, oh, I'm sorry, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper. And that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. Verse 26, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Ephesians six seventeen. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is what? The word of God. This is our sword. This is our weapon. Finally, Titus 3, 5-6. He saved us, not on the basis of deeds, which we've done in righteousness, but according to his mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. So you see, the word of God and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand. This isn't just a book that we read. 
This is not just literature. It is the power of God speaking into our lives. So when we refer to the word of God, we include the power and work of the Spirit. And as believers in Christ, the word of God must be our primary source of influence. It must be our most important influence in our life. Is that an outrageous claim to make? That this is the most powerful, the most important influence in our life. For the unbeliever, that sounds ridiculous, right? For the unbeliever, the gospel, the word of God, is foolishness. Right? The Bible is just antiquated, outdated, irrelevant, fantasy, too rigid. Can't relate to it. But people are misguided. They're misinformed about what Scripture truly is. And for those who struggle to believe in God, because look at all these miracles, can you really believe in those miracles? Well, if you struggle to believe in miracles, I've got to tell you, if you struggle to believe in the miraculous, your concept of God is too small. If you can't believe the miracles take place, then your concept of God is too small. Why do we expect God to operate on our human level? You know what I mean? We tend to expect God to work on what we can understand, what we can do, what we can comprehend. See, the miraculous, to, the, to God, the miraculous is just him doing stuff. You know, that's just what he does. He can work beyond what we can rationalize with our minds, because that's how mighty he is. See, our concept has to change. Our perspective has to change. Our perspective of God and our perspective of the Word of God. Should we expect anything less than the power of God to speak to us when we read the Bible? Do we understand that this is His Word breathing life into us and into our lives for change for the better? If we have any other expectation than that, then we're underselling God. We're undervaluing that moment we can have with Scripture. So for the believer, the Word of God is freedom. The Word of God is life. The Word of God is truth. It's all sufficient in your life. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. All Scripture is inspired by God. Is God-breathed, is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be fully equipped may be adequate for every good work. How to live your life, how to see your life, how to teach your kids. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. I don't know if you've ever had those moments where you're struggling, you're struggling emotionally. You're struggling mentally. You can't even figure life out, let alone yourself out. And you're like, all right, let me just give God some time. You get your Bible. You read. You ever come across something that's like, oh, that speaks right to my heart. You ever came across, come on a Sunday, some random Sunday, 
you're experiencing something and you have very low expectations of that Sunday. You may not even be listening, but then it's like God shined a light in your heart, in your mind, and revealed something to you, and it struck you. See, the word of God is power, it's life, it's freedom. And the written word is our primary source because, you know, God speaks to us in different ways, too. He, he speaks to us in experiences, for sure. He can speak to us by other people, for sure. But that can't be our primary source, because we're people, we're humans. We can tend to sometimes misinterpret something, misspeak. They're not always consistent, our experiences, or what people may say to us. I've had times when people say, you know, I just... God just gave me this message for you, and they said some things, and I'm just like, I don't think God spoke to you. He's not speaking to me. But the word of God remains unchanged. This remains unchanged. So how can we, how can our minds be renewed? How can our minds be renewed? Here's something to marinate over. All right, and in notes, I reference this section as a marinade. Why do I say it marinade? I like food. Right? And I like food that has marinade, mar marinade in it, right? What do you do when you marinate food? You put all the spices, the flavors, you put it onto the meat or whatever, and you let it sit there. And you let the flavors sink in. And when it sinks in and you cook it, the flavors come out, right? Isn't that great? Aren't you hungry? <laughs> That's what marinating is. Something to think about. Don't just put it on and cook it and the flavor doesn't seep in. Let it sink in for a second. How can our minds be renewed? First, we need to be rooted in the word. Right? You know about roots. Not the roots in your hair. Right? Roots and trees. What do the roots do? What's their, what's their purpose, their function? It nourishes the plant, right? The word nourishes our soul. We need to be rooted in the word. This needs to be the food to our soul. The more we're without the word of God, we're like, we're, 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 we're malnourished. We're depriving our soul, our spirit of nourishment. The word keeps us abiding and connected to God. Right? The roots keep all the other parts of the tree all connected. Without the roots, what's going to happen? The tree just falls. This has to be our connection to God. If you feel disconnected with God, how much time do you spend in the word? Just you and God. Second, we need to be plugged into the Word. Just like you plug in a device into the socket. It empowers us. The Word of God empowers us to live out our faith. You can't expect to have change in life. You go out into your workplace. You go out into your family. You go out to your schools and expect to be changed if you're not plugged into the Word. Like I said, the Word of God and the Holy Spirit work hand in hand together. 
And if we deprive ourselves of the word of God, it's as if it's like what's giving us power. Just like you plug in a device that keeps us functioning properly. Right? I have an, oh, I have an old laptop that I just recently replaced. It's from 2012. You plug that in and you take it out of the plug, it dies like that. It's a pain in the butt. You plug something in and you can function properly. It recharges you, right? You plug it in, you plug it out, maybe it fuels you a bit. The Word of God, you plug into the Word. Expect that, you know what, this is God empowering me to live a life different. And it keeps you functioning properly. Third thing, we need to be filtered by the Word of God. The Word speaks truth to us. We're going to get to more of this next week. The Word speaks truth to us. Have you realized how many lies are around you today? Do you realize how many people or how many different media or sources around you, how many voices in your life are lying to you? Have you picked up on that? They're a bunch of lies. The Word of God speaks truth to us. And sometimes that truth is painful. Sometimes that truth is hard because it's not a message we want to hear, but it's a message we need to hear. The Word of God filters out the filth. Again, we're going to take a look at more of this next week. And next week is a really important message, not because I want you to be here, but it's so important, especially in this day and age, because there's so much garbage out there. There's so many philosophies, so many perspectives, so much manipulation, so many lies that try to capture your mind, tell you how to think, tell you how to see things, who you are. The Word of God, we need this as our filter. Because God will never lie to us. He will never lie to you. Lastly, we need to be directed by the Word. The Word navigates us through our life journey. It's like our compass. It keeps us on course. Right? It keeps us on course. When we stray, it brings us back to Him. The Word of God. If we want dynamic change in our life, one, we need to recognize that we need change. We need to make some changes in our life. In order to make those changes happen in our life, we need to be willing to be renewed in our minds. Be willing to say, all right, God, maybe I need to see things differently. Am I thinking the right way? Am I perceiving things the right way? Am I seeing the world the right way? Am I seeing my life the right way? Am I seeing you the right way? Change my desires, God, from my mind to my heart. We want a strong, stronger faith. We want a stronger relationship with the Lord. It's a good place to start. Right? It's a good place to start. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much. We thank you that you are truth. Jesus, you said, I am the way the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father 
said through me. Your word is true. Your spirit is true. You're a God of transformation, renewal. And Lord, I pray for anybody today Anyone here, Lord, who's been struggling, they know they need some changes in their life, but they don't know how. They recognize some things in their life, whether how they think or how they feel or how they act, needs change, but they feel powerless to do it. May you speak truth to them, Lord. May they be rooted, plugged in to your word. May they be directed by your word, Lord. Holy Spirit, I pray you to speak to them now. We thank you that you are good. You are a good God who wants the best for us. As we conclude, as we sing the song, just let God continue to speak to you. And if he is pointing some things out that need to be changed, will you acknowledge that? And will you say, Lord, I want to make those changes, or I want those changes in my life in my heart, in my mind. Let's stand, let's worship.